Good morning, Christ Covenant. Um, I'm Abby Montgomery, and I have the privilege of being the Associate Director for Children's Ministry here at Christ Covenant. Um, this morning, we're, we're going to read a part of our passage in Luke chapter 24, verses 28 through 35. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road while he opened the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Well, Christ Covenant, it's really good to, to be with you this morning. I just have to be candid for a second. I didn't realize just how thirsty I think I was, um, and we got to worship together. And it's just a small group, but it kind of makes me tear up a little bit. And we, we did it, though. The part that's making me not tear up is we did it with these on. And so, uh, so you don't look uh, anything like you would normally look when you're singing in worship. Uh, but, I mean, it's just beautiful. And so I, Jason and staff I just in church, I just think it's an honor to be able to be here on a day when you start to come back together. Um, if you would stay in uh, Luke 24, that's where we're going to be this morning. Jason asked me a while ago if I would come and, and, and teach this morning, and, uh, and he said, hey, you know, pick a familiar passage and, and come and do that. And, you know, when you're a guest teacher somewhere, that's typically what you do. You take a passage that you really love to teach, and you bring it with you when you go, and, uh, and then you just get to kind of relax and, and teach the passage and trust the Lord's going to speak through it. But I couldn't get a passage out of my mind that I had never taught on before, and it's the one that we're going to go through today, which is the road to Emmaus. It's a famous passage, uh, and, and Abby just read us the back portion of that, of that passage. And when I look at the passage now, after having studied it and thought it through, it seems to make a lot of sense why way back when, before COVID-19, the Lord would have put this passage for this day. And so I hope it ministers to you as it has ministered to me. Uh, we are going to just dig right in, I think. And so we're going to start in verse 13. It's a semi-long passage, but one of the great things about your church is that you are a church of the Scriptures. You're a church of the Word, and so you don't mind digging in the Word. The great thing about this passage is how easy it flows. It's a narrative, and so we're going to just read the story and go through it. And instead of reading the whole thing to you at once, I'm just going to read a few verses at a time, kind of talk through it, read a few more, talk through it, and we'll go from there. But uh, I'm just going to pray that God will speak through His Word to all of us in the room and those of us in our living rooms. So let's pray together. Father, would you speak through your Word this morning? Lord, would you give us a message from you? Father, would you open our eyes to who you are, just like you did these two men on the road to Emmaus? And so I lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll start in verse 13. On that very day, 
two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So we're going to have two disciples. Uh, and, and, you know, Jesus had a bunch of disciples. He had, he had the inner 12. And then within those inner 12, he had the inner three. Uh, and then at one point, we find out that he's got 72 and, uh, and at one point, you know, in, in, in John, early on in John, he's got a whole bunch of them. It's just that he said stuff like, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they were like, we're out. Uh, and so he lost some along the way, but he still has some beyond what I think are just the main 12. And these two folks are in that mix. I'm not sure we know who one is, but we're not sure who both of them are. And so as, as they're going, they're going to go on a seven-mile journey. Now, I don't know when the last time. You've probably done a lot of COVID-19 walking. Uh, some of you are more fit than you have ever been, and some of you are like, this is the week I'm starting. And so, uh, you know, just uh, those, those seven-mile walks, if you think about it, if you're walking slow and you're talking, that's probably two and a half hours. If you're doing, uh, but, it, but more than likely, it's probably closer to, a, to two or so. So these guys aren't on a super long journey. And that's about the time span that this, this story is going to take place. So what we're going to see is about a two-hour story, and then you're going to tack on a quick dinner at the end of it. Uh, and so that's, that's to give you a snapshot of what we're looking at. These two folks are going to go from Jerusalem because everybody was in Jerusalem. This is right after, uh, this is right after, Friday that we call Good Friday. It's right after the Sabbath. It's, uh, it's Sunday. It's the first day of the week. It's the third day. It's the day of the resurrection. And they're going back home because all good Jews would go to Jerusalem because it was a high holy holiday. And so they're in Jerusalem. They're going back home. They're just traveling to Emmaus. And so here they go. Uh, and as they're walking, verse 14, they're talking about all these things that had happened. Well, obviously, knowing the context of this being in the Gospels, they're talking about the, the crucifixion. They're talking about Jesus. They're talking about his death. And we're going to see some emotion. In fact, there's one key emotion that God, and just through the Holy Spirit, had Luke include in this passage. And it's a heavy emotion. And so without spoiling it, I just want you to know, it's not excited chatter that these guys are talking. They're, they're not real happy right now. So they're walking and they're talking about all that's happened. And then a third person joins them. And now they wouldn't have been the only people on this road, and they wouldn't have been practicing social distancing. And if you've ever been to the Middle East, they do not practice social distancing. Uh, if you've been to a, a Latin country, they do not practice social distancing. Uh, and so Middle East, Latin cultures, a lot of the world is not America. Us, we're like, no problem with social distancing. I've been asking for this for years. Uh, and so these folks, though, you know, this third person starts walking with them. And, uh, and as they're walking and discussing, verse 16, uh, it says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing Jesus. Now, this, my friends, is a common theme in the Gospels, but it's also a common theme in the New Testament. When you think about it, in Acts chapter 9, Paul is going to be struck blind in order that he might see. It is very common for God to give us a blinding situation in order that the eyes of our hearts might be opened. 
This is one more instance that God is going to blind someone's heart in order that they might begin to really see. And so, uh, you know, when, when life kind of blinds you, and for some of us, like I told you, when we picked this passage out, when I felt like I was supposed to, to teach on this passage, there was no COVID-19 pandemic. There was a little bit of a murmur about something going on in China. But we were life as normal. But since then, we have been struck blind in so many different ways. Everything has come to a halt. We're starting to see the gears get back in motion, and we're starting to see the train slowly leave the station once again, but everything has been blinded to a halt. And you know, when doors shut, when there's breakups, when there's job loss, when there's money crisis, when there's uh, a singleness that's not wanted, when there's infidelity, when there's infertility, when your life goes dark, that's when the real you comes out. And these guys' lives had gone dark. And instead of immediate relief, God continues to darken their physical world so that their spiritual world might start to come to life here. So they're kept from recognizing. By the way, this just shows that Jesus is sneaky. Um, There's a lot of accounts in the Gospels where Jesus is just sneaky. There's one time where they're going to stone him and he's like, uh, he just, Jason borns him. He just like disappears through the crowd and they're like, where did he go? Uh, I mean, Jesus, he's good at this. And so uh, he might be here today. We might have a uh, uh, Christophany here today. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, he just, he's good at this. Uh, and so verse 17, and he said to them, hey, what's this conversation that you're holding with each other as, as you walk? And they said, st- and they, st- I'm sorry, and they stood looking sad. And then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him and said, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not... By the way, I just want to pause right here. We have all said a prayer like this at one point where if we could put ourselves in the Lord's shoes for just a second, we would like take back every word. And so here's what he says to Jesus. He says in verse 18, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And Jesus said to him, well, what things are you talking about? And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified. Verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. So, Cleopas is going to be named in this passage, so we know that he's one of the two. We're, not, we're never told who the other person is exactly, and, and Jesus does what Jesus does sometimes very best, and he asks a simple question. He says, hey, what are you talking about? What's on your mind? And I love verse 18. I I messed it up a little bit when I was reading it. Um, I'm sorry, right before 18, the end of 17, it says, Jesus asked them that question, and they stood still looking sad. Now, I want you to know, sad is an interesting emotion. Sad is a settled emotion. 
Um, I'm going to give you a, a lighthearted example of sad. So me and, and one of my friends, Anders, uh, one day we decided, hey, we, uh, we were in Kentucky and we were in the Red River Gorge and we had gone on a climbing trip. And so we were camping and we were climbing and it was just dudes being dudes and it was great. And uh, it started pouring rain and it kept raining for about three days. And so we were like, hey, we need to go find some, some trails and and see how far we can get my car not stuck. And so we take my car, and it's got really good four-wheel drive. I mean, it's got locking differentials, if you know what that is. It's got all the stuff. And so we, we get, we start, we find this hill, and we're like, let's go up this hill. Let's climb the hill. And so, like, I lock the differentials. I put it in four low, and we're climbing this hill, and it's, it's just awesome. Like, you're just like, mm. And so, um, at least I was. And so we were just so proud. And then one tire uh, starts, well, all the tires started spinning, but one just wasn't touching the ground in the front. It was kind of skipping over this route. And then the back one started spinning. And I was like, you can't, you can't get stuck with, with this kind of car. It's impossible. And so we got excited. And uh, we got out and we put stuff under the tires and we were like, oh, yeah, yeah, and we're excited. And then it spit the things under the tires out. And then we got mad. And, uh, and so then we were like, let's cut trees down and put trees under, like we had lost all ability to focus and think. And so we're like finding limbs and rocks and stones and we build this whole contraption under the car and it's stuck even worse. And so we go through this whole gamut of emotions until finally we're covered in mud because we had each taken turns like getting outside of the car while the wheels are spinning, throwing things under and like, no, let, my turn, let me try, you drive and then we finally hit this settled spot of these two grown men looking at each other, just sad. Just sad. That was our final emotion. Like, we're going to have to back out of here. We're really stuck. Now, as we think about it, like, that is kind of what happens. Like, you, you, get, you get blindsided by something, and life has let you down. And so it's a problem, and you're going to solve it. And then the first attempt doesn't work, and the second attempt doesn't work, and maybe the third attempt doesn't work, and so then, you're, then you get mad, and you're like, let's fix this thing. Let's try harder. What's wrong with you people? And you start casting blame and, and whatever else. There's all kinds of, of emo the emotions get higher and higher and higher, and then finally, if you're with someone and you look at them and you're both just sad, it's a settled spot, and it's a stuck. And I think that's where these guys are on this road to Emmaus. They're just stuck. And it's just sad. And then they chit-chat for a minute. And you saw that. They're like, are you, not the, are you the only person who hasn't heard in Jerusalem what's going on? And Jesus is like, tell me more. And I love this. There's a lot of words in black in this passage and only a few words in red. And the words in black kind of run all over the place, but the words in red are just right. Jesus says, hey, what are you guys talking about? And then he basically says, tell me more. And he can handle their sadness. He can handle their stuck. And they go on and they chit-chat for a minute. They're like, you know, we're talking about Jesus. He was a mighty man. He was a prophet. Uh, he, he, he went up against our, our rulers and our priests, but then they condemned him to death. Then they get to what's really wrong. In verse 21, they say, but we hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it's the third day since these things have happened. 
What they're really saying is what many of us have said over the last few months, and if not the last few months, I promise you, you'll say this at some point in your life. What these folks are really saying is, we're disappointed in God. We thought God was going to do this, and he did this, and we don't, we don't get it. That's the real heart of why they're stuck. They're just so frustrated with God. We thought he was going to deliver us from Roman oppression, and they thought that's what was best, and they're still under Roman oppression. What was going to happen, what they're going to find out is that what Jesus offered was better exponentially than what they hoped he'd do in the first place. You see, I love this illustration. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity is this master artist. And he's painting this incredible canvas. And always our propensity as finite humans, is to walk up in the middle of the painting and say, what are you doing? And the divine artist so often just continues to paint. And it's our job to watch what he's making. It's not our job to give him instruction. It's not our job to interrupt and say, what are you doing? But it's, it's beautiful because God is so comfortable with us getting frustrated in his process. Jesus continues to walk with them. He's comfortable with their frustration. He's not rebuking them. He's not yelling at them. He's okay with their being stuck. And, you know, as, as they, I, I just love that they finally get to where they're going. Uh, and, then he goes on, and, and you, you, the, the, one of the disciples goes on, and he says, verse 22, Moreover, some of the women of our company, they, they amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and they didn't find his body, and they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb, and they found it just as the women had said, but, but they did not see him. And so they go on and they add a little bit more to the story. And they're like, and now, and now he's gone. And we just don't, they're just bewildered. If he was gone, at least he should have been risen. And so he didn't deliver them from Roman oppression. He's not walking around as best they can see, alive and in person. And so what's left but to go back to our natural human state of putting a question mark where God puts a period. That's exactly what Satan did in the garden, and that's what he has been doing ever since, and that's what we do all the time. God puts a period, and we change it to a question mark. Well, now Jesus is going to take the turns for just a minute. You look at verse 25, and Jesus says to them, I love this. Oh, foolish ones. He says, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scripture 
the things concerning himself. Now look, I have 92 hours of a master's degree in seminary, and some of your staff has way more than that. Jason's got an earned PhD. I still want to see it. Um, he, I mean, you've got some folks that have lots and lots of academic credit. Some of you are PhDs. Some of you have master's degrees. you got all kinds of stuff. You double majored and, and graduated in two and a half years, all those things. We know. It's a very, it's a very smart group of people. It's a great group of people here. Uh, I want you to know, Jesus basically gives them a seminary degree in two hours at this point. I would have loved to have been a pizza, a piece of matzah stuck in the satchel and like been able to hear some of what was going on here. It's just fascinating what he did. I wonder where he started. And by the way, we don't know. But he opens the scripture from memory. He doesn't have the, he doesn't have the Crossway ESV study Bible with like the really nice cover on it and all those kinds of things. He doesn't, he doesn't have those things. He opens the scriptures from memory and he is the word. And he's the word in flesh. And he begins to talk. And I wonder if he said, hey, let me talk to you about the, about the serpent um, who, who's going to strike the heel, but his head is going to be crushed. And then I wonder if he began to trace this line through the scriptures from start to ending. I wonder if he, I wonder if he explained like, okay, hey guys, you know, this is just a little, a little rabbit trail, but do you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Those guys, they were awesome. Do you want to know how we didn't smell like smoke? Like, I just wonder, like, I mean, where did he go with his whole storytelling? What all did he include? It would have been, it would have been lights out. And as these guys, we're going to read it in a minute, but as he's teaching them, as they're walking, you know, it's very interesting. I don't know that he ever said, and by the way, Here's your answer to why I didn't free you from Roman oppression. There are some questions that we ask and we ask and we ask, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? When are you going to do this? When are you going to do this? And the Lord seems to say, I hear you and I love you and I'm okay with you being stuck. But I'm going to talk about these things instead. And the things he begins to talk about are altogether lovely and altogether worthy and way bigger and way better than any of our questions could be, and even the answers to our questions. I don't know, I don't know where he started. I don't know how he wove the thread through. I don't know how in the world he got through things like Isaiah in that short amount of time but it would have been amazing. And what's he explaining? He's not explaining why Roman oppression is there and why they should get free of it or how it's going to happen. He's explaining God's plan that's been in the works since the foundations of the earth to redeem his people who he has called and whom he loves. And that's way bigger and way better than their present circumstances. What they wanted was a circumstance change. And what God gave them was a complete life change. And yet, their circumstances are going to stay. And he does that all the time for us. Uh, It says just... 
I'm not sure exactly how he, uh, how he does all of, of what he did in these few verses, explaining everything from Moses to the prophets, but he interpreted himself. And you know, when Jesus rose to heaven, he took his body with him, but he left his word with us. And I think one of the best ways to get unstuck when we're stuck is to do what Jesus did for them, and that is to open this book. And it's amazing how these ancient words can move us from the place of stuck to the place of freedom. How God, through his Holy Spirit and the Scriptures, and a good godly community, can speak to us the same way Jesus spoke to those men. And then we're getting to the part that Abby read at the beginning. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. And he acted as, he, as if he was going to go further. Now, I just have to pause right here. There is a great story. Um, it's in several of the Gospels, but in, in Mark, he does include like one little detail. This is another sneaky moment of Jesus. It says right here that Jesus acted like he was going to go further. It seemed like he was going to keep walking. And, uh, and they're, you're like, why? Where else is he going to go? And so they, they're going to beg him, you know, please stay with us. Please stay with us. And, uh, and so, you know, the famous story of uh, Jesus walking on the sea, uh, you know, he feeds the 5,000, then he finally goes and gets to pray. And then there's a storm on the sea and he goes and he walks out on the sea. And, uh, and that's uh, a really powerful moment. It's been taught a bunch of times. It's a great story. Well, it's in, it's in the synoptic gospels, but Mark includes one little detail. It says, Jesus was walking on the sea and he meant to pass them by. And you're like, oh, okay. So there are parts of Jesus that are still a mystery today. I have no idea why he meant to pass them by, but maybe he was just tired of them. I'm not sure. Maybe he's just a little tired of these guys at this point, but he's, he acts like he's going to keep on walking, true to Jesus's character. And they beg him to stay, verse 29, but they urged him strongly saying, and by the way, that's a sweet note that you can urge the Lord strongly. That's a really cool thought. They urged him strongly. The fact that God would let us be able to urge him is pretty neat. They urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized them, him, and he vanished from their sight. Now, I love this. I wonder if he was still telling the story. Now, this is just speculation, but I wonder if he was still telling the story. And I wonder if he had included the Passover story as a big part of it. That would seem to make sense. That's a giant part of the narrative. That part of the Passover or the idea of the Passover is traced certainly all the way up to the crucifixion and resurrection. And even today, how Christ passes over our sins in judgment once we have been covered by his blood. And so I just wonder if he's explaining that and he's explained stuff in Leviticus 16, the, the Day of Atonement, and if he's just explained the feast in Leviticus 23, and he gets to the part about the bread and he's talking about how his bread is the, the bread of life for us, and he takes it all the way back to the matzah that they had to cook real fast and leave with. And I wonder if he had woven it all together and he's telling the story and he breaks the bread as he's talking about the bread and how he's the bread of life and he's the only one that satisfies. And I wonder if they were like, uh-uh, and he's gone. 
Now that would be awesome. But I promise you, if it's not that, it's something way better. But what a powerful moment. And their eyes are opened and he's gone. And by the way, he still does that now. There are times when you've gotten stuck and the Lord visits you and he walks with you and you finally get to the point and he asks you these questions and then he begins to talk to you and he talks to you through the word and the Holy Spirit and godly biblical community. And then right when you get the answer, the real answer, when your eyes of your heart go through a divine cornea transplant and you can see for the first time, Don't be surprised if it feels like, and he's gone. Now we have the Holy Spirit's indwelling and he's with us if we're in Christ, but there are special moments when God's presence is so thick, you can almost touch it. They don't last forever, but boy, are they good when they're there. And so he vanishes from them. And they said to one another, verse 32, did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road? And he opened up the scriptures and they rose that same hour and they returned to Jerusalem seven miles back. They did a little over a half marathon that day. And they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together. And they said, the Lord has risen indeed. And he appeared to Simon. And then they told them what had happened to them on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Look, it's normal to be disappointed by God. I promise you. If you've never been disappointed in God, then you're probably a new Christian. God's ways are not our ways. We're told that in Isaiah. We know that he does stuff different than we do. What's not normal is to see him as loving and sovereign when life gets sideways. And the only way that we can see God for who he is is sometimes if he blinds us. And sometimes it's when he blinds, blinds us or even blindsides us. Sometimes it's only in that moment that we're in the right spot for him to do a divine cornea transplant on the eyes of our heart to where then we can finally see him for who he is and realize he is altogether lovely and he is altogether worthy and he is better than anything we could ask or imagine on our own. I, uh, I want you to know, when you set out to walk your road to Emmaus, it can get real existential. You can start asking all kinds of questions like, do I matter? Does life matter? Is God really good? What's really going on here? And I promise you, this story gives us hope that God can handle every one of those moments. He doesn't back away from a good low spot. He loves to meet his people in those places. And he knows, as a good father, 
that sometimes we have to get to those places for us to see him for who he is and not who we wish he was because who we wish he was is nothing in compared to who he is. You have some incredible artists uh, on staff here. And there's some incredible songs that have been written in the last few years. And I think some of you guys know um, the, the artist, I'm going to read some lyrics from his song, but um, Andrew Peterson has a great song called Always Good. And I was coming back from a, a wedding yesterday that became much smaller as time went on um, over in the great state of Mississippi. And, uh, and I was listening through every song I could, trying not to fall asleep on the way back home. And, uh, and I got to this song and it, it just hit and it just fits so well with this passage. When we get to a place where we're just disappointed with God and we're just disillusioned and we wonder where he is and what's he up to. And Andrew Peterson has some great lyrics. Let me read them to you. He says, Do you remember how Mary was grieving? How you wept when she fell at your feet? If it's true that you know what I'm feeling, could it be true that you're weeping with me? Arise, O Lord, and save me. There's nowhere else to go. You're always good, always good. Somehow this sorrow is shaping my heart like it should, and you're always good. Well, it's so hard to know what you're doing. Why won't you tell it all plain? But you said to Peter, you'd come back on the third day, and Peter missed it again and again. So maybe the answer surrounds us, but we don't have eyes to see that you're always good, always good. This heartache is moving me closer than joy ever could, and you're always good. My God, my God, be near me. There's nowhere else to go. And Lord, if you can hear me, please help your child to know that you're always good, always good. As we try to believe what is not meant to be understood, will you help us to trust your intentions for us are still good? Because you laid down your life and you suffered like I never could. You're always good, always good. This morning, as we transition back to, to sing to the Lord for a few minutes, I want you to know, myself and many others in this room and watching have walked through a real, some real hard times. And I think there are many of us that can tell you, we have walked through the valley, but we didn't walk alone. And in Christ, we're never alone. And I promise you, even if you can't see what he's up to, what he's up to is good. And if you just hang on a little longer, I bet you'll have a road to Emmaus experience where he breaks through in the darkest of nights and shows up right when you're standing there looking at him sad. And I bet you'll leave that moment with your heart burning as he reveals himself to you. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for this powerful passage, Lord. I thank you for this time that many of us have been in recently where we've just wondered what you're up to. But Lord, we trust that what you're up to is good. And Lord, I thank you that you can handle us in the moments when we can't see you. And I thank you for the times you hide yourself from us, Lord, that we might seek you all the more. And Lord, help us to seek you with all we've got. And then, Lord, may you be found. So, Father, give us strength. 
to be faithful and to stay strong. And I thank you that you are the only one that can open our eyes. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen.